When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. You're listening to the Bleacher Connection, a part of the Belly Up Sports Network. Here are your hosts, Ken and Trevor. Welcome to the show, everyone. Trevor, how you doing on this fine December Sunday? Very close to Christmas. Actually got to run out and do a little bit of uh, Christmas shopping after our recording here today. You know, TikTok, it's almost here. <laughs> it's it's eight days away, a week tomorrow. So yeah, it's uh, time to get on that. And this very well might be our last episode before Christmas. So uh, on the off chance that it is, we may not get a chance to record next week. You know, Merry Christmas to all of our listeners. And Yes, Merry you know, Christmas. We'll, we'll hopefully be able to jump on, but if not, better uh, preemptively get that out of the way. Um, yeah. I, I also want to mention it's fantasy football playoffs season. Playoffs start this week. And I'm, for one, I'm going to say I'm thankful I'm on a bar. Um <laughs> I finished first overall in my league with a 13 and one record. I lost in week four. I actually got hammered in week four by like 50 points. Um, I'm glad I'm not playing this week because my studs of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Hurts are both questionable. Tyreek's out. Yeah, he's out. out. He's out. Jalen Hurts is questionable for tomorrow, uh, Monday Night Football. So I'm just going to say, go Seahawks. Happy. I'm happy I am not in a playoff matchup this week or else I'd be done. I'm 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 praying for the football gods to get Tyreek Hill healthy. He's been an absolute any fantasy owner who has Tyreek Hill, there's a very good chance that they're first in their league. Um uh, he blew it away this year. Um I also uh, picked up Raheem Mostert off waivers early on in the year. He's blown it away. I was I was actually kind of going through my roster. I had four of the top 40-point getters in a 10-team in a league, which to me is craziness to get that many, including one in six overall. Um, but I'm glad to be on the bye. For those of you who aren't on the bye and have Jalen and Tyreek in your lineup, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hopefully you had good depth on your bench. Um, if not, you're done. <laughs> See, I've, that's one thing I've never – like. we know you and I have done – couple of hockey pools we we ran one that which was uh pretty fun for a while and you know it's a lot of work and I, I gotta say i've never done a football fantasy football 
And I know for some people it is a religion, the amount of time and effort that goes into it. And I was just like, man, I don't know that I know enough to get that involved with it. But uh, I would say it sounds fun. I just, it's never something that I've gotten into, but uh, yeah, it's a, a very serious endeavor for many. This is the first time I've been in one in probably five years. I, I used to be in a league every year. It was a keeper league. Trust me, I did not know enough about the NFL to be in a keeper league. And I actually won the championship, I think, in the second year I ever did it. And then I, for the next five, six years, I, I never even made the playoffs because I just, I couldn't do it. This is the first time I've been in a league um you kept drafting years. Tony Romo after he retired. I, I kept well, you know, stop taking Romo. I, I thought he was going to have a breakout, but you know, I, I guess when you're retired. But you know, for fun, I was like, "Ah, what the hell? Let's 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 join the work one." There was a spot that came open. They approached me, and I'm like, "Sure, why not?" And you know, I, I actually like I know enough about the NFL, but I don't know the like I don't know who most of the players are. I don't know who the big names are, who the good teams are. I try to focus on picking players on teams that I know are going to score a lot of points. Dumb luck. That's all I'm going to say is me finishing first. I, you know, I made like maybe three transactions all year. I just happened to luckily draft a really good team. Like I had, I think I got Tyreek Hill with like the sixth overall pick in our draft. He's the number one point getter. I got Mostert off waivers in, in like week two or three you know, first game he comes and plays for me, four touchdowns and puts up like 45 points. Um, I remember Mike you Evans me that one. A resurgence. Yeah, Mike Evans has had a bit of a resurgence this year in Tampa Bay, and he's, you know, he's like the third or fourth leading receiver. You know, lucky I got him at a late-round pick. Like, just luck. That's all it is. I've managed to reign healthy, and, well, for now, I now it's playoff time, and my guys are out, but it, it it's it's fun. It's fun. I I enjoy it because the banter that goes back and forth, especially when you're winning. You know, every week you get a little recap, and I would always forward it to my opponents and like, you know, just in case you weren't watching, you know, didn't keep track. It, it's it's lots of fun. There's been lots of good conversations at work around it and just some good laughs. And there's there's a lot worse things you can spend your money on that you don't get laughs out of, and, and this is definitely not one of them. But that being said, I am not. Hardcore. I know some of the guys in our league are in like three or four different leagues. I'm like, no, thank you. Yeah. I have enough trouble keeping track of one. <laughs> yeah, that's a, uh, it's a lot. I mean, like we, there's, I think there's a few belly up shows on the network that are dedicated nothing to, but fantasy football, right? You know, who's who do you pick up? Who do you drop? All those, uh, all those helpful tips. You know, so if you are in fantasy football and you want. You're not sure what to do or you're new to it head on over to belly up and check out all the fantasy uh shows that we got on, on the network they'll uh they'll give you a hand in making your decision don't it's, reach uh... out to me don't reach out to me <laughs> it's sheer luck that i finished 13 and well, one don't <laughs> if you do expert. if you if you've listened to our show enough and through our predictions and everything else you know go against the grain with us if you exactly. go with us, it's probably not going to work out great. But if you go against, you've got a better chance to come out ahead more more often than not. So we, uh, yeah, we, we, we're not experts. We just play one on TV. Yeah, behind the microphone. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, if you if you sound confident enough, people might believe you. I just say, you know, it's like, well, he, you he know, I, like they know what they're doing. It's funny you say that. I, I say that at work all the time to you know whoever my staffer. I'm like, if you sound confident, then the the trust will be there. So sound confident, and and people will believe <laughs> you. So. We could spew, well, we could spew. We shouldn't spew some ridiculous stuff on our show yet. <laughs> we sound confident about it. So yeah. take it take it to the bank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe don't mortgage the house on it, but, you know, just here or there. Maybe mortgage a Starbucks coffee a week on it. Um, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's that time of the year, you know. Um, I managed to get most of my, you talk about Christmas shopping. I got most of mine done the other night on uh on Friday there, I had a, a work function at uh, live in Edmonton. We have a bowling alley in our mall. So at uh, West Ed and had a work function there and had about an hour afterwards. So I tried to get as much Christmas shopping as I could done, which meant I hit one, maybe two stores from end to end. And it, uh, you know, the wife and I have an agreement. She, she logs into her sister's Amazon. I get ours and <laughs> stay the hell off. So <laughs> managed to get uh, most of, if not all, the Christmas shopping done sitting on the couch Friday night, and uh, now it's just waiting for the deliveries to come through. So it's uh, yeah, I-, I love the Amazon. Will arrive before Christmas. It's like God, I hope so. That's all I, I need to know. To yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's all I need to see. So it's uh, well, and you know, I took a bit of a a, a risk with one shop that I went to because it. It didn't give uh, an estimated delivery date. I know when it hopefully will be picked by, but uh, we'll we'll see. I may have to get creative with a couple things here if it uh, isn't delivered by Friday. So, but that's the uh, in an envelope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's the the fun with uh, Christmas shopping, and you know, it's kind of it's been nice this year. We with uh, with the little guy, we've been getting out to a few more things around christmas and we went to uh christmas market in fort edmonton park he got pictures taken with santa there and it was you know you guys i always wonder to some kids when the first time seeing santa they freak out and they cry and hate it and he actually did really well and then two days later we took him for um more scheduled pictures with santa at the mall and um he did pretty good there too and only got a little fussy but uh yeah, it's been lots of nice things, you know, checking out different Christmas things and, you know, getting out there with uh, with him and wife and seeing all that. So it's uh, it's been good. They're probably doing a lot more Christmas things than may have in the past now that we have him. So what's well, you know, it's kind of a congratulations to your family. This is your your first Christmas as a parent. And, you know, it, it's different. And uh, wait till they get a little bit older and, and some of the reactions well, you know, opening gifts, seeing family, it's, there's just some priceless, priceless reactions as they get older, but it, it's very exciting, you know, for your family. I remember mine, you know, 14 years ago now, but you know, it, it's just, it, it, it's, Christmas is different when, you know, it, it's your kids and you get them out and enjoying, you know, in, in the city I live in, we have the festival of lights and, you know, we try to go every year, walk around the park. It's got beautiful lights and it, it, the kids love it. And, you know, I complain about having to go to the malls or whatever, and it's crazy busy, but it's all, you know, it's all more jest. It's, it's, 
the chance to see the family and just the excitement on their kid's face, nothing beats that. Like that's, yeah, that's the best. Well, I think th- this year has been interesting because normally we'd have a lot more Christmassy type stuff up and out and in the house. Um, like we've got the tree up, but because we're yeah, there was sure. no decorations. <laughs> no, no, I was there last. I was there last weekend. There's two. There's two now. No, I, well, and that's the thing is like we didn't know how he was going to react, so we're like, don't really want to put a lot of stuff up right now. He I, like he seems to not really care that the tree is there, so which is good. But we didn't want to like go and throw all the stuff. We were going to keep about a but two three foot radius at the bottom where there was going to be nothing, but didn't want to test our luck right away and on the first one and see if he pulls it down and destroys everything so we might throw a few more things up there before monday (laughs) before the 25th but uh we'll see it's uh it's just a lot i I will say this is probably the easiest christmas shopping we did for with for him is we were at the mall and we went through babies r us and kind of like showed him things and hey we got a smile on the list. So like we finished yeah. all of his Christmas shopping it right in front of him because he's eight months old. He's got no clue. He'll forget by the time it comes to Christmas. So it's uh the one and only time that we get to kind of do his Christmas shopping with him. Don't have to plan okay, and, who's staying, who's going. It's our wives should take a cue from that, Ken. They should just take you and I to a board game store, <laughs> put some board games in front of us, and if we smile, then it makes the list. Like <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> My wife does that. My wife does that. So, because I am absolutely like for me, I don't like asking for anything. I don't like. It's just how how I how I am. Like, if she says, "Oh, what do you want for Christmas? What do you want for your birthday?" My answer is, "I'm good." Like, if there's something I want, or like, I'll probably end up buying it throughout the year. But what she does is she'll see me look at something, or if I talk about something, she she has a list that runs twelve months a year. And it's for Christmas and my birthday, which, uh, you know, is only about three weeks apart. But it's like she has that list to go off of because very rarely do I say, hey, you know, Christmas idea. I like this. I've actually the last couple of years given her a few ideas, but now I'm pretty bad at that. So she she pretty much does that with me. She, she sees me look at something long enough. It goes on a list and she keeps that in her phone. Very smart lady. Yeah. <laughs> Very <Yeah>. smart. <laughs> I am no help whatsoever. I will fully admit that. Um, it's just how I don't, it just feels to me, it feels wrong saying, Oh, I really like this. Cause you know, it, it's, I don't know, just how I'm wired. We're grown men. We don't need yeah. stuff. Yeah. Like for me, I couldn't care less this year. Like I told her, like I, I, you know, when it kind of came up, I'm like, I don't need anything for Christmas. I got everything I want in that little, that little boy right down there and uh that that's that's everything i wanted needed so i'm good <laughs> <laughs> yeah trevor's just making faces at me about being so sentimental right now <laughs> no it's awesome i get it yeah yeah but trevor we should probably talk some we're here to I talk guess. some sports yeah <laughs> but uh let's kick it off with uh are you kidding me and Trevor, I'm gonna start us off and we're gonna to head to the heart to the hard court with this one. Um, it's been a little while since we last recorded, and more things have happened with this one. I don't even want to say polarizing player in the NBA, but just kind of a jackass. Draymond Green. Like, are you kidding me? 
hauled off and just punched a, a Phoenix Sun. I can't remember the guy's name, and but he got suspended indefinitely after that one. And I and I gotta say to the NBA, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's the one that you suspend him indefinitely for. You probably should have suspended him indefinitely after he tried to choke out. Not try, sorry. He did choke out Rudy Gobert. And, and viciously, aggressively, and wouldn't let go. To the point where even Draymond had come out and said, after he saw the video, he didn't realize how long he had him in that chokehold for. You had him in a chokehold. That's assault. That's like if that was on the street, your ass would be in jail right now. Anyone else that did that to someone would be up on charges. It, it's absolutely ridiculous that us the the punch was the suspended indefinitely moment. You could have avoided the punch by doing that the first time and getting him out of the game. I've got a I've got a clip. Someone on Twitter, um posted a Draymond Green highlights. It is legitimately one minute of everything that Draymond has done over not that many years that are all suspendable offenses and just outright dirty. Not basketball players plays at all. Just straight up dirty. In this clip, there's it's a minute long and there's at least a dozen, if not more, incidents. I think I counted about Four or five finger pokes to eyes, right? That's not a basketball play. You're trying to take a guy's eyes out, right? He, uh, Joe, I think it was uh, Jokic. He got with a thumb in the eye. Not even when he had the ball, he got brawn in the in the eyes a couple times. He's got other guys in the eyes as they're going up for. He's not going for the ball. His hands going straight to the face, straight into their eyes. There's at least two flagrant elbows. Ripping guys down to the court as they're going up for a layup, running through guys with shoulders and knocking them over. He kicked Steven Adams in the growing. He kicked another guy in the back. Uh, it's just constant. This guy is probably got to be the dirtiest player in the history of the NBA. Like, you want to talk about, like, he's gotten small suspensions maybe here and there. He punches his own teammate, Jordan Poole, at practice. Right. This guy's got like minimal suspensions throughout his career. You know, what did he did he get anything for that chest stomp last year on the Sacramento King? Um, you know, you look at what happened with the malice in the palace. Yes, that this is a lot of the suspensions came out of fighting with the fans, going into the crowd, but those guys pretty much you could say for defending themselves were crucified by the league. And, and suspended huge amounts of the seasons and carried that stigma with them for the rest of their careers. And I, and I want to say, like, Draymond's been on a championship team, but that team is not championship because of Draymond. Draymond, we know Draymond Green because he plays with... You know what? I'm going to jump in right there. I think he played a huge part in those championship teams. Sure, he wasn't the high-profile scorer, but he was the lockdown defender that... Every championship team has to be able to play defense, and that's replaceable. Provided that, and I don't did. know. I, I think he played. Uh, maybe not in the last ones, but the first few, I thought he was very, very. You, there's there's other lockdown teams. defender guys that can 
play a defensive game as well, right? Draymond without Clay and Steph is is just a dude on a team, and, and even you can see it now. Clay ain't playing very well this year, and, and Steph can't carry them all, and that's what they're looking for, right? Like Steph Curry drives that team, but it's just to me Draymond is he's a he's a replaceable piece on that team. If you take a guy like Rudy Gobert, who's another good defensive player, and put him on there, they got the shutdown defensive guy, right? Like, there's he acts like he's the reason they the Golden State Warriors are were a championship team year in year out. If he wants to fight this much and play that kind of style of basketball and be physical, then dude, retire from the NBA. Go train and become a UFC fighter or go to the WWE where your theatrics might be welcomed. Because in the NBA, you're not a t- like you act like a tough guy that in a sport that has no physical contact. Like there's contact, but it's not it's not like hockey or football where every play you're bashing bodies, you're taking hits, things like that. The NBA's gotta be one of the softest sports for contact. You touch a guy, it's a foul. So, Draymond Green, are you kidding me? Go back to just playing basketball, and maybe your team won't have such a horrible record this year. I'm going to go in a little bit of a different direction on this. I'm not discounting anything you're saying about Draymond Green. I The antics are not welcome in the league, and the league has finally done something about it. Um, I'm very interested to see how long it definitely is. You know, does he... Does he do the uh, the courses and get the help that he needs to be able to get back in the league? We'll see. You know, who knows? Um, what I'm hoping is there's something wrong with Draymond Green. There is. There's obviously maybe it's a mental health thing. There, there's something ain't right. And I'm hoping that through this process, Draymond Green gets the help that he needs and can reel it in because he has become a circus the last few years. You know, I just said it. He was an integral part of that team in the early championships. His role has significantly diminished and declined on that team. And I question, you know, whether that's part of the reason why he has these antics is, is he can't come to terms with the fact that he's not as good as he once was and that he's, he's not as big of a contributor on this team. He is now replaceable on this team has been probably for a couple of years. Um, w- one stat that I found really interesting in all of this, Draymond Green's only, uh, only has been ejected from games 19 times in his career. That's not even remotely close to the league leader in the NBA NBA history, it's Rasheed Wallace with 29 ejections. Like he's well, 40 or 60 percent of the way there. I, I don't think he'll uh, get enough games in to get the other 10 ejections. I say, um, I say Green is worse than Wallace too. I, I would say some of his actions are definitely worse. So I, I just I hope Draymond gets the help and the support that he needs because clearly he's he's struggling with coming to terms with that. Like the Warriors are not a juggernaut anymore. He's not as relevant anymore. He's not, he's just not in this line. He, he's in the limelight in the NBA now for the wrong reasons, not for winning championships, not for, you know, having the best record of being on the team with the best record in NBA history. He's now in the limelight for his stupid, stupid plays 
and you know hurting other players and just silliness and I hope I hope that Draymond can uh get it sorted out it, it actually it, it kind of reminds me of um uh James Harden a little bit where you know just not as good as you were yet you still think you are and you have this attitude and you want to be treated that way and I kind of draw a lot of parallels between those two where you know they're they just they can't come to the grasp that they're just not good anymore and they're they've it's become more of a circus off the court than it is an impact on the court and I don't know they I I love the Warriors and the Splash Brothers. I love those teams that were exciting to watch, but it's over. And Draymond's maybe you should just hang them up. Maybe. So you touched on that part about like getting the help and things like that. But like to me, where I kind of pivot on that is I struggle with that sometimes when you get these situations where things happen that can't and shouldn't happen in sports. And the first thing they go to is that like, well, you know, sometimes they use the mental health and, you know, I'll, I'll throw Corey Perry into this conversation as well, because whatever he did uh, within that organization, we know what it wasn't despite all the speculation and rumors. Um, but the very first thing was, wasn't that like, okay, I effed up and this is it. You know, I need, I'm going to be stepping away here. It's alcohol. Oh, I got a drinking problem. I need help. And, and it's when really, when I, I, I look at some of this, right? Like it's ego. It's ego that drives, I think, some of these actions in that, like you look at the Jordan Poole situation. Jordan Poole was becoming more relevant on the Warriors than Draymond Green. Draymond Green's place in the pecking order was being replaced. He was go- not getting knocked down a peg. He didn't like it. So what do you do? He went after the guy that was replacing him and getting ahead of him. And of course, Poole then leaves. Everyone thinking he's going to be real good in Washington, and he hasn't been. But it, it, it's one of those things. Is it, To me, it's ego. It's not necessarily mental health. It's they're potentially using that as a as an excuse which is a slap in the face to people who really do have mental health problems. And if he does, he does. I'm just saying like a lot of times in sports, it's the go-to rather than people saying I'm an egotistical asshole and I don't like being replaced or I'm better than you, right? I have a problem versus I'm better than you and I can do what I want. Sounds a lot better. The NBA is always though, liked having bad boys in their league and every era they have bad boys you know dennis rodman charles barkley draymond green like they've always embraced these that almost it's almost like they have to have a poster child bad boy in the league and they kind of embrace it and the fact that draymond and, and let's say dennis rodman were on championship teams and won multiple championships i think amplifies that whole narrative and but the NBA has always been okay with it they've always 95 percent of Rodman though them. was off court right like Rodman yeah played aggressively he kicked yeah the, he the still cam- did lots of shit on the court well, he kicked the camera guy right but like 
there wasn't the kind of stuff that like Draymond has just been so obvious with it and like just goes out of his way to attack people. I think there's a bit of a difference. I think there, yes, the bad boy has always been there, but to me, green is over the top. He, he is now. I will, I will definitely agree with that. Let's move on from Draymond green. And, and I want to go back to the NFL. You know, we were talking some fantasy football, you know, earlier in the show and, and, you know, I, I want to go to a team where they are supposed to have one of the fantasy football stars on it in uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, for, you know, he's kind of been, I don't want to say a letdown, but I think there, there's not as much help around him this year. And I want to go to a, a play, everybody knows what I'm talking about, the offside call. The offside that, that wiped the winning touchdown, well, potential winning touchdown, off the board on this tremendous lateral, well-drawn out, you know, executed play. Kadarius Tony. Are you kidding me? And I'm going to take this in a few are you kidding me directions. Darius Tony, are you kidding me? Like, could you not see that you were lined up past the ball? It, like, it wasn't even close. It's not even close. He is offside. So, the relevancy of the play, everybody's like, oh my God, it wiped like one of the greatest touchdowns of the year off the board. And how could the NFL? That doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Darius Tony, you were offside and not even close. It could have been a drop pass. Nobody's talking about it. Oh, offside on the play. Oh, drop pass. Who cares? The outcome of the play is completely irrelevant. Does it suck that it wiped a, a ridiculously awesome touchdown off the board? Yes. But that doesn't matter. Patrick Mahomes. Are you kidding me? freaking out at the referees on the sidelines, like yelling and screaming, oh, they should have told us. They should have given him a warm Um, It's not the ref's job to tell a player he's offside. Sometimes they will say something. Hey, 13, back up. But, you know, it's not the ref's job to tell a player not to commit a penalty. Patrick Mahomes, are you kidding me? In the post-game scrum, you go over to Josh Allen, you'll – Josh Allen finally beats you in a primetime game. And you go and kind of demean it by going up to him and, and just saying, that's one of the biggest horse shit fucking calls I've ever heard. Like, on, Like, the dude was offside. Like, I don't even know why this is a conversation. It wasn't even close. Chiefs fans, are you kidding me? He was offside. Stop complaining about getting robbed. Maybe worry more about the fact that your team is not a juggernaut this year and you may lose out to the Denver Broncos of making the playoffs who are horrible. Now, I don't believe that's going to happen, but I, I, I just, I'm shocked at the outrage of from around the league on a play where the guy committed a penalty and blatantly committed a penalty. Are, are we kidding ourselves here? Everybody, are you kidding me? It doesn't matter what the result of the play was. It was a penalty. Bring it back five yards. You want the excitement? Do it again. Yeah. Do that play again. Onside. And then we're not talking about it. I, I think the funny part about it is, is how many people outside of Chiefs Nation complain how the refs are in their pockets. And if the Chiefs win, it's because of the refs. 
the memes where they've changed the the black stripe to red and and throw a Chiefs logo over the NFL one. And their reaction feeds that narrative, right? A little bit in the sense that it, it comes down to the refs deciding a game. I, I and I put no blame on the refs. Nothing. It's the right call. Only thing I could say is when, like in the CFL, we see it all the time. If it's defensive offside, you allow the play to continue to see if the team can get more than the offside penalty, right? Because maybe they are offside, but, you know, the BC Lions, you know, quarterback Vernon Adams Jr. drops back, drops a 45-yard pass to to Lucky Whitehead, and it's a touchdown against the Stamps, or it, you know, is an ankle. fantasy football. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. <laughs> um, you know, or or you don't make the play and you get the five yards, whatever, and you do it again. You it, it's defensive offside, let it play out because maybe the team gets more than what you're gonna give them on the penalty. If it's offensive offside, whistle it down right away so you don't have this happen. Either, you know, like you called it, whistle it down. Don't allow the play to continue. But yeah, I think but it's then just... you're, you're you're taking away the ability for the defense to then step up and make a play on an interception or a sack yeah. or a forced fumble or like you can't allow the offense to get their opportunity to make a play and then go all oh, of the defense isn't allowed a chance or there may be another penalty on the play that offsets it. So yeah, it, no, absolutely I, let it play out. I was just saying, like, I thought the reaction from everyone was just so over the top and it was just like you're you're complaining because they made the right call. Grow up a 10-year-old learning football knows to look down the line and see where they are in the, in you know relation to the ball to not be onside. They're not 10-year-olds. They're not kids learning the game. You're professional athletes. Know the damn rules and stop complaining when the call goes against you. It was the correct yeah. call. It was. It was. Yeah. Uh, I got one more here I want to go through, Canada. I want to go to the world of hockey for this one. And I want to talk about a team in particular. And, you know, you and I, we've talked about this team before, but the reason I want to talk about it tonight is last night the Pittsburgh Penguins went into Toronto. Kyle Dubas's big return, you know, ex-general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, his big return with his new club, you know, to Toronto, a chance for his team to step up and, and you know, maybe win one for Kyle against his old team. That didn't happen. <laughs> that did not happen. The Pittsburgh Penguins walk into Toronto and get, you know, shellacked seven nothing. You know, one touchdown to none. In, in hockey, we don't really talk about touchdowns. That tells you how bad. It More was. points scored than the Raiders and Vikings, though. Oh, you know, I was going to do that one. Are you kidding me? But I felt like it would. I don't know what would have been more boring us talking about it or having to watch that game. Like it's horrible. I actually feel bad. One of my coworkers, they went on a trip to Las Vegas <laughs> last week and were at that game. And she said, uh, we spent $100 per person, per point at that game. But I was just like, oh, my God. So, wow. anyways, I want to go back, I get back to the, I want to go back to the Pittsburgh Penguins. You couldn't even show up for your general managers, have any motivation. You didn't even show up. You, you laid an absolute egg. And that, that just kind of got me looking at the Pittsburgh Penguins on the whole. This team is in trouble. This team is in serious trouble. They are 
they're roughly an average age of like 30, 31 years old. They've got their core still signed long-term. Kenny Malkin's got two more years after this year. Sidney Crosby's got a year. Eric Carlson, I think, has got four more years after this year. Chris Letang's got four or five more years after this year. Tristan Jari. Like, this is a, a, a team that has no prospects coming up because they've traded every single one of their draft picks trying to remain in relevancy. They've got an aging core that's locked up. They've got a ton of skill. They've got Sidney Crosby's on pace for 50 goals this season. He's on pace for for 100 points. Yet this team is 25th in the league in goals for, you know, they average just under three goals a game. That shouldn't be. Like this team can't score. Their power play is horrific for a, a team that features Carlson, Melkin, Latang, Crosby. Gensel, the firepower is incredible, yet their their penalty or the power play is abysmal. Their goaltending's not great. Uh, you know, Crosby's got one more year left on his contract. Do you think he's going to be back? Like, I can't imagine Sidney Crosby playing anywhere else, but this team appears to be on a bad trajectory. And I'm a Flames fan. And I'm saying this team's on a bad trajectory. I would almost argue the Pittsburgh Penguins are in worse shape than the Calgary Flames because their long-term aging stars are locked up. You know, the, the Flames are at least going to have some cap space and and assets to move out. I, Kyle Dubas has his work cut out for him. There's some great video last night. You know, Ken and I, neither of us are the biggest Kyle Dubas fans. There's some great video from last night's game of Dubas muttering under his breath. Oh, are you effing kidding me? Are you, are you shit? Like it did. Amazing. Kyle Dubas is in a world of hurt in Pittsburgh. And I don't see this getting better anytime soon because these guys ain't getting younger. No. And Kyle Dubas is not responsible for three fourths of the core four on this team they were already there right like but your core four your your nucleus that you're building around are 37 Evgeny Malkin Crosby and Latang at 36 and Carlson at 33 you have Chris Latang signed till he's 40 you have Malkin signed till he's 39 you have Crosby signed till he's 37 38, maybe depending on when his birthday is, whatever. All of them outside of Carlson will be touching 40 by the time their contracts expire. Name another team that is successful right now that has a core that old, right? Like this team, you talk about whether Crosby comes back or not after next season. Why would he? What does he have to play for, right? Like Marty Broder should have retired a, a New Jersey Devil but didn't, and it was real bad in St. Louis. What does Crosby have left to play for? He's won Stanley Cups. He's won Olympic gold. He's won it all. He has no reason to come back, Um, you know, unless he wants to sign another $8.7 million contract. This team, like you said, they, they have no, no depth. They have no one coming up. You know, like I, I – 
looking at cap friendly, I said to you, I am surprised at their average age for the forwards and defense and everything like 29.8 uh, for the forwards. Just again, shy of 30 might as well call it 30 and their, their defense is 29 years old. Like that's, that's the point when you start talking about players being old. Now, some players play great into their thirties, right? But you can't build a team around those guys. You can't have your nucleus of what you're building around in sports terms being damn near uh, geriatric, you know, cruising through the arena on rascals because it's easier. It, they need to get younger. And I don't think you're ever going to see a, a Sidney Crosby or Evgeny Malkin or Chris Letang get traded. Not out of Pittsburgh, unless they're the ones asking. Crosby, no movement clause. A, a Malcolm, the 35 plus no movement clause. Carlson, a restricted no movement clause. Latang, the plus 35 no movement clause. Like even Ryan Graves has a modified no trade. That is Marcus Pedersen, right? Like to me, this team is in a world of hurt. Jeff Carter is 38 and probably done after this year. Like there's another guy that's very old and it comes to terms of hockey. You know, I don't foresee anyone giving Jeff Carter a contract at 39. So this is probably it. I was surprised. Like this team can, they got, they got firepower. Like right now their goal differential is go back to the plus other two. one. Yeah. They're so plus plus two. two. It, it's not great, but like this team Get shelled. Their goaltending is not great, right? Like Tristan Jari is not being the guy. And Alex Nedeljkovic, the Carolina Hurricanes, look like bloody geniuses. The guy came up, played great, was up for the Calder, and they let him walk at the end of the year. And he went to Detroit, signed a deal, and has kind of fallen off the face of the earth compared to that rookie year. Yeah. We've, we we said for like the last couple of years, Trevor, it's got to fall off for Pittsburgh. They, they're they going to miss the playoffs. Looks like we got it right this year, buddy. It's uh, it's not going yes. well right now. The, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins are closer to the Columbus Blue Jackets than they are a playoff spot. That's, that's what you need to know. And they would have to pass all of the above. Tampa Bay, New Jersey, Carolina to get there. Yeah. I just I, I don't see it. Or, you know, maybe the Flyers or the Islanders, you know, fall back a bit, but they're they're still they're seven points back in the Islanders. Like that, that's a lot. They're eight points back in the Flyers to get in the top three in, in their division. I just they gotta outplay a lot of teams and some really good teams. New Jersey and Tampa Bay Monster. I don't see a scenario where those teams aren't in the playoffs. No, so like- even like Carolina, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins are very quickly running out of teams that they could pass to get in the playoffs. Carolina is the eighth place team right now. I'm sorry, the Carolina Hurricanes are a lot better than the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, I just I don't see it. Like this, they're in trouble. They're in huge Tam- trouble. Tampa might be four and six in their last ten. That's Vasilevsky coming off a major surgery. Yeah, Vasilevsky has looked like Vasilevsky, and he has not. But at a certain point in time, once he gets back into the groove, I'm pretty sure Tampa will be climbing those standings. You know, New Jersey. New Jersey's on the outside looking in by one point. That's another team that 
you know, they got some injuries, but they should still be able to push that needle and get into the playoff picture. Right. Like right now, Pittsburgh is sitting a point behind Montreal. Right. And Montreal has a minus 20 goal differential. Like it's insane. Ottawa dead last in the East is has the exact same goal differential as the Pittsburgh Penguins plus two. Which in surprises what, me. Actually. In what world does that make sense? <laughs> I know. Right. Like to be fair, Ottawa's only played 25 games. Everyone else is touching that 30, 31, 32 range because of that Sweden trip. Right. Yeah. But like, you know, hell, even Toronto's played 28. Like they, they've played more. Those teams are trying to play catch up, which is going to be difficult for Ottawa because it's going to be a lot of games and they're not doing so hot right now. Um, yeah. They're three and seven in their last 10. That's a whole nother. Are you kidding me? We could go on with. It's uh, it's not good for Pittsburgh. That's that's it's for not. Sure. It's not going to get better. No, and that's the. I just don't see a light at the end of that tunnel right now. But here's the thing: I think people around the league, like let's say Trevor, you and I have seen this for ever, being out in the West, away from the center of the universe of Toronto, where you know we all know TSN stands for Toronto Sports Network. How many times have we seen a player on Toronto have their tires pumped because they're so good, they're so good, but then they come to another team and you're like, these guys are falling off, right? Um, Dubas is the same thing. Shanahan's going to look like an absolute genius if this continues, where Dubas takes a team that, even for their advanced age, was making the playoffs and absolutely tanks them towards the bottom. We'll see how it plays out. Well, there, there you have it. That's our uh, extended version of Are You Kidding Me? We actually had no uh, no intentions of going on that long. We actually we want to talk some baseball here. Um, but we'd love to hear from you guys uh, on Twitter, X. I'm at TheBleacherCon1. Ken is at TheBleacherCon2. I reach us on Facebook, uh, The Bleacher Connection. Pittsburgh Penguins fans, love to hear you. Chiefs fans, we kind of took some shots at you. Uh, one of our good podcast buddies is a big Chiefs fan. I'd love Sorry, to hear John. from him. Sorry, John. <laughs> but reach out. We would love to hear from you guys. Ken, let's move on and, and let's let's talk about our hearts getting ripped out of our chests. And, yeah, and let's talk uh... about some uh, baseball. And I think most specifically, we wanted to touch on kind of the whole Shohei Hotani thing around Toronto, the contract and Kind of some some off some off season you know talking in general uh, centered around the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. And so, why don't you why don't, why do you take off here? Yeah. So we're gonna get into a little uh, Jays in flight off season edition here. Um, baseball off season, you always get the winter meetings, which are are fun because lots of stuff usually tends to happen there. Um, uh, Trevor. We've seen this. We show. just want to end the episode and not talk yeah. about this. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, I think we need to talk to it, but it, it, it's unfortunate because this is an off season that we've seen play out many, 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 many times before where the Jays are in on some big names. Oh, the Jays are rumored on this guy. They're rumored to be in a, a, making a deal for this guy. And well, this big name free agent uh, seems to be coming to Toronto. We all know the big the big ticket free agent this year was Shohei Otani, 
And at this point in time and, and where we are in December, we know that uh, the, sh- the show has gone to Dodgers. He's moved a, a few miles in the other direction from Anaheim to L.A. But I think what really uh, what really bothers me about this is that, you know, we heard so much about how the Jays were in. The Jays were like top contender. It, it was looking like the, it was going to happen. There's so many of the so-called, well, not so-called, so many of the baseball experts who break all of this stuff and are, for the most part, outside of, you know, one guy saying Aaron Judge was a San Francisco giant for about two hours. They tend to be right on this. And with the Shohei Otani contract situation, I was excited. I'm sure, Trevor, you were excited as well. You know, we were both like, holy crap, this might happen. Like, Shohei Otani as a Blue Jay. Holy hell. And in the long run, at the end, we were upon. The Toronto Blue Jays were upon in the contract negotiations between the Dodgers and Shohei Otani. Um, which made, at the end, I wasn't angry that we didn't get him. I was angry at the sense of what went down. I don't know how you felt, Trevor, but I was angry about it. Like you, the, the Jays were used to get more money out of the Dodgers. Um, yeah. Um, they were definitely used. I'm angry. He's not in Toronto. I'm, I'm actually angry. He's not in Toronto. This, despite what all the baseball insiders and everybody who apparently knows everything about baseball and how, you know, this would have been terrible for baseball. I fully disagree. I actually think this would have been incredible for baseball. Because you would have Shohei Otani, it doesn't matter where he plays, he's gonna have a huge following and he's gonna have eyes. He's gonna have eyes in every city that he goes to. I think this would have been a huge opportunity for international baseball, I want to say, to have him play outside of the United States and have him play in Canada. The op the 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 business opportunities that would have prevented itself or would have presented itself on more of an international level by not having them in the United States, I think is a big loss for baseball. You know, everybody talks about, they say that Toronto Blue Jays are a big market. Yes, they are. They're, they're Canada. You know, that's a, it's a 35 million plus person market. Well, that's a relatively big market in baseball. You would have had the eyes of, the international baseball community still would have been on major league baseball. It would have been in Canada. You'd been able to grow the game in Canada. It also would have been good for baseball in the fact that some of the lesser teams may have felt like they have a chance, let's say, because right now it was, Oh, you got to go to the Dodgers or the Yankees. That's what's good for baseball. No, it's not having 30 something competitive markets is good for baseball. Growing the game of baseball in every city is good for baseball. Having competitive balance where the Seattle Mariners feel like they can win a World Series is good for baseball. The Milwaukee Brewers feeling like they can win a World Series is good for baseball. Having Shohei Otani inside in Toronto and not in L.A. or New York would have been good for baseball on so many on just a, on a, differently than him signing in the huge market of LA or New York. It it would have represented hope for some of these other teams. Well, now 
you and I were sitting here talking, we're going, oh, the Jays, second fiddle again. The Jays being used. It, that narrative, how many, all the other small market teams now still feel that way. Yeah. I just, you know, this, it would have been absolutely amazing for him to have gone somewhere other than LA, New York, just because it could have grown the game so much more. And then, you know, and then we're going to do the selfish as a Blue Jays fan. Well, it would have been absolutely amazing for our ball club. The financial, everybody's talking about, oh, you're going to end up having to pay $60, $70 million a year. Who cares? Okay. They were going to make that money back and tenfold in advertising, deal, merchandising, eyes on the TV. You know, ticket sales like, probably oh, been ticket better. Ticket sales would have been better. Like R- Rogers Center would have been a sellout every night at premium ticket prices. Just for our for our team alone, it would have been such a win. They would have had every time the Blue Jays would have gone into another team's building, and the Blue Jays already draw well in other teams' buildings. It would have been good for those. Like those teams would all of a sudden get a every time the Jays come through New York, guaranteed sellout. Jays go to Boston, guaranteed sellout. Tampa Bay, guaranteed seven thousand people because that's a huge <laughs> increase in their attendance. But it, selfishly for the Toronto Blue Jays, it would have been amazing, and it probably would have catapulted them into a potential World Series contender. So also, on the field who, would have been amazing. Off the field would have been amazing. And oh, what could have been? What could have been? But also, when we talk about also being second fiddle, kudos to the Jays for being like it came out. Like, the reports were the Jays were there for the money. It wasn't that the Jays came up and stopped at five hundred million, right? Like they were there with the money, and it wasn't the thing. Like I think the fact that. When that whole flight tracker from An- that private jet from Anaheim to Toronto happened, and everyone's tracking it, going, "Holy crap, this is he's coming!" Because his agency leaked the report that he was going to Toronto to the to was it Morosi, I think John Morosi, um, about that he, his agency CAA said, "Yeah, no, he's going to, well, he's going to Toronto." You know, hey, listen up, here's a little watch scoop this for you. Yeah, watch, watch this You know, here flight. you go. And it gets leaked, and then everyone's watching. It's like the Kawhi Leonard thing all over again for Toronto Raptor fans, if you cheer for both teams. But then it's not. It's the Dragon's Den, Sharks Tank, Robert. I can't say his last name, so I'm not going to try. But, like, it's... Bergevac. Yeah. Who's a CAA-repped celebrity? Oh, so CAA books this flight for him to go from Anaheim to Toronto for whatever. He's Canadian. I think he might be have reason to go to Toronto or whatever, but like they put that in place. They put out the rumors about Otani going to Toronto. They put out the rumors that, wait, you know, the Blue Jays are really close on this. They might be the guys. They're feeding the media, building this hype. And meanwhile, Shohei's sitting on his couch with his dog, laughing his ass off of this flight, flight tracker. So as it became, I think like, if the negotiations fell short and it was done in good faith, I have no ill will, Ill will towards Shohei Otani. And I'm not saying like some people are like, oh, Otani needs to get beamed his first at bat in Toronto. Like, grow up. No. Who the hell out of the guy? But <laughs> he doesn't need to get beamed. Like, it, it just doesn't. 
to me, what gets me is that is negotiating in bad faith. If you're spending the time with the team and getting that close to the negotiations and making them feel like they're there, like, why as a team would you want to then go into negotiations with CAA on another player? Because you know you have a great chance you're just getting used, depending on who it is. Like, to me, it's just such bad faith negotiations. And I think what also bugs me is, you know damn well that Shapiro, Atkins, and the entire Blue Jays organization were going all in on this, which meant they weren't doing anything else. Now, you get Otani. What do you really? What else do you really need to do in the offseason, right? The Jays were also rumored to be in on Soto, who went to the Yankees, right? Fair enough, the Yankees finally ponied up, probably because they heard, you know, maybe the Jays or someone else had stepped up their offers. But Jays haven't done anything in this offseason now because all their efforts and focus were on Otani. Like, to me, like, like, as an organization, you maybe should have put someone else on, hey, go find some other people just in case. Get the ball rolling on some talks. But at the same time, if you're being told and led led along that you're the team, why would you look that, at other pieces if you know you got to shell out this kind of money? So I think the Jays, like, have missed out on pieces because of this. And I think it's it sucks. As, as a Jays fan, it sucks that this is where we're at. Nothing yeah, has changed for the roster. The, the Jays, we almost now feel like the Jays got caught with their pants down because there's nothing's happened since most of the big names are off the board. You know, they they lost out on Soto. You know, Soto would have looked great in this lineup. You know, they lost out on Otani. Well, Otani looks great in any lineup. And you know, I'm I'm I have a hard time talking about this because it was. We believed it was going to happen, and there's genuine anguish, anguish, anger, frustration, disappointment. Those feelings in Blue Jays land are true. Yeah, like this is crushing, crushing. And it's, and it's also because not the organization the didn't fan. try. The organization did everything they could to try and get this done. Yeah, this is you know. Imagine if, if the the way back in the day the Calgary Flames had a chance to get Wayne Gretzky or the Vancouver Canucks, well, the Canucks did mm-hmm. have a chance to get Wayne Gretzky. And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, you got the best player in the game and the prime of their career is going to be historic. And you're going to get him on your team. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, rip your heart out. He's not coming. <laughs> Suckers. And then yeah. in the meantime, you know, everybody else is gone now too. And it's we're still left with the bitter taste of another playoff failure. Atkins absolutely you know, driving the bus over every single buddy, every single one in his off-season review presser. You know, Shapiro not taking any accountability for it. We're still now stuck with that where we've done nothing. The Blue Jays have done nothing. And the fan base is pissed off. Because they want something to happen. They realize, we realize there is something here. And this team, there's a chance to be a World Series contender. And they're they're just missing something. And now they haven't done anything about it. And, you know, there's talk now that they're the head guys on Bellinger. That scares the shit out of me. 
you know, if you're going to throw four or five, six year contract at that guy, seven years, you know, $30 million. Oh my goodness. Like, you know, Bellinger's a good player, but he, he had a good year last year. His two previous years were not good. Yeah. You know, what if he reverses to that? Like, yeah. You know, what if, what if the, what if the Toronto Blue Jays signed Jonathan Huberto when they signed Cody Bellinger and all of a sudden you're overpaying a guy to give you nothing? Like, I don't know what saying that's what's going to happen, but it scares me. We still yeah, need a third Bellinger's, baseman. We need a third baseman. Matt Chapman's gone, which I'm okay with if they bring him back. Well, like, they might have to bring him back. I it's guess like, they might have to bring him back, but if that's going to cost you 25 million on five years, it's like, Surely to God, there's a better way to spend $25 million on a player. Like the Blue Jays are worse than they were. Yep. And when the offseason, Kevin Kiermaier's not coming back. They still need an outfielder. You know, there's potential that they're linked to, to Oscar Hernandez again. Well, okay. Well, Stro- apparently Strowman's in Strowman's Toronto. Strowman's so in everyone, Toronto. Everyone's the new br- thing, the new thing now is people are are they're tweeting pictures of the CN Tower or, or Instagramming the CN Tower and Blue Jays fans are like, oh, Marcus Stroman's coming. Cody Ballinger's coming. Like, guys, like, did we not learn anything from showing yeah. Otani? Like, calm down. Well, the same day that that Otani signed with the Dodgers, uh, Candelario signed with the Reds. That was a name that the Jays were looked at as a potentially looking at as a replacement for Chapman. Gone. Right? Like, everyone that they were looking at potential replacement is no longer on the board. Right, like there's a lot of guys that are gone. Like, hell, could have got Rowdy Telez as a DH, <laughs> but he's he's off the board. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I think I've seen like, that before. Yeah, we, we we've we've seen that play out. There's still names out there, but are they as much of an impact player as what the Jays need right now? The Jays fell short because they were missing those key pieces. Well, now they're missing those key pieces plus. They're missing the, the you know they're they're missing that extra house key, they're missing a mail key, you know they're missing a garage clicker. <laughs> they, they they there's so many pieces that they're missing to get that house together and full. They they need to right? weather stripping like, on the doors. <laughs> right? Like the, the the front gate on the fence is hanging off a hinge, right? It's like Tyler Glasnow went to Toronto, <laughs> to the Dodgers as well. I mean from Tampa. That's the only saving grace is Tampa seemed to give up on a pretty good pitcher. Which they've done before and been just fine, but at some oh, point, I you hate said the it, Rays. You said it last year, the year before. You're like, "Oh, the Rays are going to fall off," and I'm like, "In what world has there been any sign that's going to happen?" And, and I'm going to say does, it again this I'm, year in our preview until, show. Until it does, I'm never going to agree with you on that because they just find ways. You want to talk about development? That team does a great job of it. They always can say, "Okay, see you later, Glasno. See you later, Price. See you later, Archer." And there's just someone else coming in right behind them that does. That does the job. Uh, the Jays still have crap, three holes crap, to fill. Don't. Yeah, yeah. The Jays have three significant holes to fill. Still, they need an outfielder, they need a third baseman, and they need a designated hitter. Because I'm sorry, I do not want Alejandro Kirk and Danny Jansen being the one catching and one DHing. Like they realistically need a real designated hitter. You know, there's rumors of JD Martinez. I, I'd be sure. okay with that. One of those one year. Kind of, he had a good year last year in LA. You know, I'd be okay with a JD Martinez. I'd really like a left-handed bat. You know, I think you and I both believe that the Jays will try to do something with Joey Votto, just you know, to get a little bit of 
goodwill built back up with the fan base, but he's not a, a difference maker anymore. That they they if you, the, if you DH they legitimately him, have yeah I don't know he's he barely hit two twenty last year if that he's still got a bit of pop he walks a lot he gets on base which is I think fine he, but, you know, we we saw that with Brandon Bell last year and and you know Brandon Bell like I, I draw a lot of similarities there between those two players and you know it was Brandon Bell a needle mover not really he wasn't a bad player but. You know, I think no. you'd be that'd be very lateral with the Joey Votto. No, would the the goodwill with the fan base would be awesome. I'd love to see it. I'd love to get a Joey Votto Blue Jays jersey. Um, but there there's huge holes to fill. Do they? Could you imagine if they circled back on someone like Lourdes Gurriel Jr. because he's one of the few outfielders still available to Oscar Hernandez? Like, hey, let's let's get the old boys club back, and uh, I just. Not, I'm not uh, oofing at that. I'm oofing at our our forty man roster right now. You say three, I say at least there six. could be more. Yeah, dude, dude, our infielders right now on the the forty man roster: Addison Barger, Bobichet, Kevin Biggio, Ernie Clement, Espinal, Guerrero Jr., Spencer Horowitz, Leo Jimenez, Otto Lopez. Stop me if you've heard some of these names before. Orelvis <laughs> Martinez. Davis Schneider. Outfielders. Luke Springer Varsho. This team has six to eight holes they need to fill in their 40-man roster to get a starting nine and a reliable bench that doesn't suck. Because I'm sorry, for the last, what, three seasons I've said this, our bench has been horrible. It still is, and it will continue to be. This lineup will finish last. As it is right, as it is constructed, if we go opening day with this lineup, it's going to be a long 162 games. I'm sorry, but Vladdy, Bo, uh, Springer, they can't carry it. Like, uh, what was it? Jordan, who was the guy we picked up from the Cardinals? Jordan Hicks. Yeah, like, he's gone. Bring him back. There's a guy spending. He's still not signed. Bring him back because to me he was more reliable than good old Jordan Romano. See, he actually cleaned up for like Danny Jansen's or uh, uh, Alec Manoa's wedding. But like, uh, sure, we got a five man rotation that's just fine. But you got to have you see Kikuchi have another bounce back season. You yeah, he's got to pitch well again. You got to show that last year wasn't an outlier, right? Before, the Same with Jose before Brios. That. Yeah. But you got Bassett, Brios, uh, Gosman, Kikuchi, Manoa? Question mark? Manoa, that's a huge question mark. Like, like eh? maybe. But, but again, the names on the pitchers, right? Like, you still got Genesis Cabrera. Great. Bonin Francis. Garcia's still kicking around. Chad Green, what does he give us? Because we didn't really see him last year. Yeah, we year. didn't get a chance, yeah. Right? Um, Brendan Little, Adam Mako, Wes Parsons, Nate Pearson, what are we getting? Uh, Zach Pop, Trevor Richards, Romano, Swanson, Mitch White. Eh, what is he? And Josper Zuleta. There's a lot of who the hell are you in the bullpen as well. And, of course, they're on there because of departures. And I'm sure as soon as there's a replacement, they'll be off the 40-man roster. 
Yeah. But at this point, if this is what we're operating with, the Jays are in trouble. Yeah. But and that's kind of why I said they need at least they need three. Like they're they're three players away from being a, a legit good team. If they don't get those three, I'm with you there. It could be a long season. Like, you know, maybe Matt Chapman, you do bring him back, but that just scares the hell out of me. His defense is great, but his offensive production, that's, let's face it, that's this team's problem is it was offense. They couldn't score runs. So they, you need to bring in offensive guys. So Matt Chapman scares the hell out of me. You know, Cody Bellinger scares the hell out of me. He could be phenomenal. Like, say he does come here. Maybe, you know, hitting in Rogers Center because it's a beautiful place to hit. You know, maybe Cody Bellinger does have a, a, a tremendous career in Toronto. Who knows? But that one scares me. You know, the, Aralvis Martinez is maybe. Maybe he's the third baseman. Like, there, there's some upside there. But, again, he's never played big league ball. Like, David Schneider, I think we saw kind of this. I don't see it being long-term, him being a 30-home run 100 RBI producer like he kind of started out when he came up because he hit the skids, you know, after his kind of after about 30 games, he really started to hit the skids. Like, I just, I'm really worried. I'm very excited because the Jays have a good rotation. The Jays have, you know, Bichette, Guerrero Jr. Like, they have some really, really, really good pieces. But unless they augment those pieces and now, we're two years away from potentially not having Bichette and Guerrero on our team. Yeah. So. And we're still in we that doing? window where the we're front s- office has said, this is our winning window. Yeah. And them, them going after Shohei Otani proves that to us, that they are serious about winning. They are serious about winning, but. It didn't okay, work. We haven't now done, do something else. We, we haven't done anything this offseason. Yeah. Blue Jays right are now, in trouble. I'm looking the Yankees the, are significantly better. Yeah. Like, if Stanton's out, who gives a crap? You got Soto, right? Like, you got Judge Soto and, and Stanton, if healthy, in that lineup. A 30-year lineup can match the ball 500 feet. Right now, our lineup has Kevin Biggio on the depth chart listed at four positions. <laughs> four. Starting second baseman, which scares the hell out of me, followed by Espinal and... Schneider. Sorry, Espinal is also listed as our third baseman and backup shortstop. So he's three spots. But our right now, our starting outfield, if you put um Cavan as the number one second baseman, would be Varsho in left, Springer in center or right, and Davis Schneider. Oh, Sorry, let me back that up. David Schneider is also listed as our third uh, second baseman. <laughs> Good Lord. And, and Vladdy's our first baseman designated hitter. And I'm sorry, but get Alejandro Kirk out of that lineup and definitely, oh, my Lord, out of the number one catcher spot. Alejandro Kirk better be doing something to get in shape this offseason. I'm sorry. like, But you're a professional athlete. Show up ready to go. Like, maybe last year, the offseason, because he had a kid coming, all that kind of thing, didn't put in the type of training he needed. But at some point in time, the Jays need to sit him down and say, dude, 
your professional athlete. The Vancouver Grizzlies had to send someone to Oklahoma with big country Brian Reeves to get his ass in shape every offseason because he couldn't do it on his own. So they like, I'm sorry, but when you have the potential to get thrown out at first from left field on a base hit, that's a problem. Figure it out. I'm so done with Kirk. I don't care what he can do. I don't care. Kirk is not an everyday player. And until he can get things figured out, put him in Buffalo. I think the most frustrating thing, and like why you and I speak like this is because we're very passionate because we do see a light. There is a lot of talent here, but I feel like we're getting worse, not better. You know, Kiermaier's gone. Whit Merrifield's gone. Like, what? Whit Merrifield, I'd, I'd happily take him as my everyday second baseman. Absolutely. Or the everyday left fielder, but he's gone. Kiermaier's defense is gone. Chapman's defense is most likely gone. Like, we're not only are we losing these guys, we're losing the defense that they brought. So all of a sudden, our run, our run prevention may not be as good. So well, Michelle, we know could be a bit of an adventure at shortstop. I'll give him credit; he actually had an okay year at shortstop this year. But it, it just it feel again. like I just feel like we're we're on the precipice and on the cusp of being a really good team. But the Blue Jays are they're potentially also on the, the cusp of a misstep and they fall off the ledge. And I think that's what's the most frustrating is that they're right there. You know, do something, do something. But unfortunately, there's not a lot left to do it. And they may have to, there may have to be a significant trade made, you know, dealing the likes of an Alec Manoa or a Tyman to, to fill one of these holes. There may have to be because you're not going to fill it in the free agency market. And, no. you know, do you really believe that or Elvis Martinez or David Schneider if you believe they're actual big leaguers, give them a chance, sure. But you better have a backup plan ready to go if they're not. Like they're so close, and that's why it's frustrating. And that's why I feel like my heart's been ripped out because I I honestly feel like they're actually gonna fall off the cliff and not take the step forward. And that's so depressing to think about, especially after the gong show that was the playoffs this year. The gong show right after the season, the whole gong show with Otani and Soto. I just, I could go for some positive news in Blue Jay land right now. And I just, uh, I'm, I'm a little worried, Ken. Well, let me hit you with some negative. Um, as I go over to MLB.com, it appears that Guriel Jr. will be returning to uh, the NL champs on a three year deal. Yeah, good for him. I, cross good it. For him. Oh yeah, I cross the name off the list. Yeah, like we're fan. Like we may not sound like we're fans, but the thing is, like we have just seen this play out so many times. Something needs to change. Like this team is on the verge of becoming the Baltimore Orioles of two years ago. So, it, it's tough. Um, yeah. So the the Jays need to do something here. There's a uh, a big miss with the free agents so far. And it, it, as a fan, it's tough to really go out and blame them for trying to get someone big, but the two big names they were going after were Otani and Soto, 
it's great to see as a fan, like, okay, this team is really meaning it, but now that they've lost out on them, they need to do something. They need to get out there. They need to pick up someone that's going to be a game changer for them. They can't nickel and dime the rest of this off season uh, to try and fix the holes that are there. Cause you know, I will say uh, we've lost Trevor here. He's <laughs> the power went out uh, at his place. So it's he just got me for the rest of the show here. It's uh, they can't nickel and dime to fill these holes. There, there's a lot of them right now. This roster is Swiss cheese. There's people in place, but there's still holes. As fans, Trevor and I really want to see this get turned around. We want to see them make the moves that are going to be impact impactful to them. It's going to put them in a position to be competing for that number one spot in the AL East, the, the chance to be able to sit back and play a wild card team versus being a wild card team that has to scratch and claw and you know use all their best starters right off the hop just to get to that next that next step. It's uh it's been frustrating at times and i think that's the toughest thing is it's still frustrating we're still working to try and get that sorted out so jays fans let us know baseball fans let us know what you think of the whole shohei otani debacle because i can tell you when as a fan for myself i think it was pretty low down and dirty how it played out and that's to me is the part that's not good for baseball and or sports where an agency and a player use a team. Like when you're talking about the Toronto Blue Jays, you're not talking about the city of Toronto just being the ones that are upset and the the fans who cheer for other baseball teams within their cities. You no, know, those, those teams don't exist. The Toronto Blue Jays is probably the one team in Canada where it is the nation's team. Yeah, you're going to have people in different provinces, like in the lower mainland in British Columbia, where people, due to proximity, are Mariners fans because it's a two-and-a-half-hour drive south. And you can go watch baseball. You know, other places might have an affiliation with someone else. Like, yes, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the teams like that do have fans across the U.S. and in Canada as well not to the extent like the Toronto Blue Jays have within the within Canada. And I think that is the most frustrating thing is you didn't just mess with one city, you mess with an entire nation and that that hurts. So let us know how it goes, how you feel about it, uh baseball fans, Toronto Blue Jay fans. Um as we kind of said at the beginning of the show, depending on how things go next week, as we are very we'll be right on the doorstep of Christmas. We may or may not have another show. So to all of our listeners and everyone out there, uh, to the rest of Belly Up Network, we wish you all the best for the upcoming holidays, whether it's whether you celebrate Christmas or not, or if it's a different holiday you celebrate. All the best to you and your family. We hope you have an amazing time. Uh, reach out to your friends and family. Say hi. Say hello. Tell them you love them. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. We'll talk to you soon.